jumping into uh, this new series called Finding Your Way Back to God. And um, I, I met one of these, one of these authors uh, just a few years ago, uh, John Ferguson, and he and his brother, Dave, uh, started uh, a church in Chicago years ago. And uh, I, I think it's in Naperville, is, for those of you who are from Chicago, I think Naperville, Yellow Box is the name of the church. Um, Community Christian Church, and they wrote this book called Finding Your Way Back to God. I just love that title. Don't you love that idea, Finding Your Way Back to God? And so we found a better picture from here in the West and added the <laughs> artwork. Um, and uh, th this three weeks will be a little bit different than the book, but there'll be some, some definite ties into the book. So what, what Cameron did is he purchased a, a, a number of these books from Amazon, and we have them available. If you want to, if you want to buy one, um, they're at Connect Central. Just stop by today, and and we have a number of copies. And if it's something that you you'd like to take and kind of read along, we finished our journals for this semester, and we'll have journals again in the fall. But for some, you've been calling and say, "Where's the journal?" And um, you're not missing out. We just we don't have one right now. Grab a book. You know, you can read through the book, and uh, there's some great journal questions in the back of that book. So that's out there. If you'd, uh, if you'd like to do that. Um, last week, Easter, what a day. What, what a day. Um, for you, for those of you, yeah, for those of you who served in some way or you gave up your seats uh, at a preferred time to come at a different time, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, the, the second two services uh, in this room at 9.15, 10.45, we had like 70 people sitting outside watching on the screen because we didn't have enough room in here. But that takes... You know, well over 100 volunteers. So for those of you who gave up of your time, thank you so much. It was a great day to celebrate uh, what, what God has done through Christ. And one of the statements that we talked about last week was this. Um, God is often closer than we think. God is often closer than we think that he is. Uh, we, we all drift from God, and, and Scripture tells us that. Like he, it says, like, like sheep, we've all gone astray, like every single one of us. We're all in the same boat. We all drift from God from time to time. And we have this sense that God is, when we're drifting, he's getting further and further away. And the truth is, God is just closer than we think. Now, I want you to think for a moment back on your life. And life can often, oftentimes, if, if you lay out like a timeline of your life, you could go back and probably mark certain spots, like key moments in your life, key things that happened, uh, moments when you had to make a decision, you know, to turn left or to turn right. Do I go to this school? Do I go to this school? Do I not go to school? I, I try school. Should I stay in school or should I leave university? It's not for me. Do I take this job? Do I not take this job? If he asked me to marry him, do I say yes? I'm not really sure if I should say yes yet. And, you know, we have all these little defining moments in life. I've been diagnosed with something. Do I, do I go through this treatment or this treatment or do I just trust? These defining moments, do you turn left or do you turn right? How do you, how do you make those decisions? I mean, most of us would say we have some foundational, uh, foundational beliefs that help us make key decisions in our lives. Some of us have uh, key people in our life that we go to and ask specifically, can you help me make this decision? And you have to be really careful who you ask that question to. And um, just for fun, I, I came across this clip. It's my favorite TV show. And I knew that you would need to laugh this morning. Is it okay to laugh in church every now and then? 
And it's, it's, it's reminding us of how important it is to listen to the people that God puts around us. And um, this is just a great reminder in those key moments of life to listen to the voices God has around us. Proceed straight. Well, we're 0 for 6. Last chance is the Elmhurst Country Club, other side of the lake on the southeast side. I don't get it. I really don't get it. I thought this would work. Through everything I had at that guy, nothing. That's how it goes sometimes, you know? You lose everything, and everything falls apart, and eventually you die and no one remembers you. That is a very good point, Dwight. Make a right turn. Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. It means bear right. No. Up there. It said right, so take a right. No, 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 look. It, it means go up to the right, bear right, over the bridge, and hook up with 307. Make a right Maybe it's turn. a shortcut, Dwight. It said go to the right. It can't mean that. There's well, a lake there. I think it knows where it is going. This is the, the lake. machine knows. This is the lake. Stop yelling at me. No, it's not yelling. There's no room here. Remain calm. I have trained for this. OK. Exit the window. Here we go. Make a U-turn, if possible. Look out for Lincoln. Are you OK? Oh, gosh, I thought we needed to watch that this morning <laughs> just to wake you up a little bit. Have you ever done something in life and you, you quickly realized you made the wrong decision and you just wanted to, to take it back? Um, you know, I know in a room like this, we are on a crazy spectrum Fr from those who would say, I am like in tune with God, I'm walking with God, I'm I'm close to God. To those who would say, I, I'm, I'm not even sure God exists. I, I'm here because I, I'm trying to make somebody happy or they keep asking me and I, this gets them off my back and so that's why I come. Those who are in the middle who want, you know, they want to believe. There's some of you who have drifted. You've made some turns in your life and, and you've kind of hit a wall. We're on a spectrum in a room like this of what we believe, what we've been through. Um, I came across this, this, this thought that Jesus believed that when we are away from God, when we're away from God, we can never truly be ourselves. That, that when you're away from God, it, it's difficult to truly be who, who God created you to be. That we are most alive and most in our skin when we are walking with God, when we are close to God. And my guess is probably close to 100% in this room would say, I would love to walk with God. I, I would love to be close to God. I'm just not sure if it's possible. I don't know if I can do that. Um, what, what we're going to do over these next three weeks is we're going to walk through kind of three steps. I, I, I don't really like that word, but um, three concepts, three ideas 
of what it means to find our way back to God. And to do this, um, we're going to use a parable, a story that Jesus told. You might get a little tired of this story because we're going to talk about it for three weeks. I never get tired of this story. It's, it's, it's probably my favorite story that Jesus ever told. I know some of you have told me it's your favorite story, and you would be happy if we just preached this every single weekend. Jesus tells a story, and in our Bibles, it's, it's in Luke chapter 15, if you want to turn there. If you have you version, you can, you can look at, at Luke chapter 15. Um, there's this series of stories Jesus tells, and they, they've added some, some subtitles to help us kind of understand what's going on. Uh, there's the lost sheep, there's the lost coin, and then there is the lost son or the prodigal son. So many of you have heard this story, right? And um, parables are, are interesting. Parables are, are discourses that challenge the courses of our life, Okay. Parables are discourses that challenge the ways of our, of our life. And so I want to invite you into this story. And I'm just going to tell you the story. Is that okay if I just tell you the story this morning? And I'm going to interject a little bit. Like half of you said, sure. The others are, stick, stick with me for a little bit. So Jesus often told stories that would quickly capture the attention of those who were around. And he would say things that would kind of sting people and make people. Have you ever been watching a movie uh, in the theater and you wanted to talk to the screen? You wanted to tell people, like, not to do something? Or why would you go back in the house? That's where he is. Don't go back into the house. Like, that's not safe. You want to talk to the screen. I think probably when Jesus told some of these parables, like, the audience wanted to talk to him and say some things. So, so Jesus begins this story uh, with a simple statement. There was a father who had two sons. And the younger son went to his dad. And he said, Dad, I, um, I'd like my, my share of the inheritance. Now, at this point, I think people in the crowd would, would quickly go, whoa, wait a minute. I mean, how incredibly disrespectful is this kid? And some of you would say, I would spank that kid. I don't care how old he is. Like, that's, you just don't do, you don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, I think quickly people would be into the story. Like, like you can't, like, by saying, Dad, I want my share of the inheritance, I'm basically telling my dad I wish he was dead. So Jesus says, there was, there was a, a man who had two sons, and the younger son said to the dad, I'd like, I'd like my share of the inheritance. And so the man divided his estate and gave it to him, which many of us would go, well, that's terrible parenting. Like, didn't he read a book? Didn't someone tell him? Like, you should not do that. Don't give your kids things. I mean, it's an entitled kid. He should not have his share of the inheritance before the dad dies. That's just ridiculous. He gives it to his son. Um, now, we're a couple thousand years removed from the story, so there's some little uh, pieces going on here that maybe we don't, we don't initially catch. Um, in our day and age, we have um, all kinds of assets in our lives, right? We have 401ks, we have savings accounts, we have investments. In the ancient world, they didn't have as much of that. Uh, where was money tied up, do you think, in the ancient world? What do you think it was that was most valuable to a family? The land, right? 
So, so the land, many of us might say that today too, like our house is our, is our largest investment. Uh, many of us would say that's our greatest asset, so I have this house. Now imagine in our day and age, if, if you had a child come to you and say, I want my inheritance, and you divided your share of the house and gave it to him. Now, what, what's interesting about this parable is, is this next little piece. The son takes money and goes to a distant land, which means he had to do what with the land? He had to sell it. Now, do you see where people would probably be pretty engaged at this point? Like, whoa, like this, this is a crazy story. Like this should never happen. And that's what Jesus wants. He wants us to kind of lean in a little bit. Like, where is he going with this story? So the son takes the money, the disrespected father, he leaves behind. He goes to a distant land and he says he spends it wild and crazy. We're two wild and crazy guys. And he spends it on who knows what. And eventually he runs out of, runs out of money. He finds himself destitute and Jesus throws a little turn in here and he says, you know, there was a famine in that land that he ended up in and he, he found himself destitute with nothing to do. So he, uh, the, the, the connection here, again, there's some, there's some disconnect for us. He, he enslaved himself to someone in this distant land. There was nothing else he could do. So he became almost a servant to someone who lived in that land. They put him to work. They sent him into the fields, and they made him feed the pigs. Now, to a Jewish audience, like, pigs were like the lows of the lows. So it means that this guy's doing, like, something that, that no Jewish person would ever do because you, you just don't work with pigs. They're unclean in a number of ways. And so he's sitting here. He's feeding the pigs. And, and Jesus, like, throws these little pieces in where he says, he longed to eat the pods that were given to the pigs, but no one would give him any. Which makes me think, why didn't he just eat them? I mean, they're on the ground and, you know, but, but, but Jesus is saying that he was so lost. He, he was at a point where he, he, he hit bottom. And some of you know what that's like to hit bottom. Rock, rock bottom, like... I have no life left. My marriage is over. No job. No friends. No money. He, he hit rock bottom. And then this phrase, and this is the phrase that if you have your Bibles, like circle this phrase, underline this phrase, highlight this phrase, write it in big letters at the top of, your, of the page of that. If you have the electronic version, highlight it. You can do that. You can highlight it and save it. And he came to his senses. And, and the actual like Greek translation would mean he came to himself. He came to himself in that moment. Well, remember, you can be most yourself when you were with who? God. Yeah. He came to himself. He, he had this epiphany. He, he's sitting here with the pigs, and he, and he thinks to himself, my dad's hired hands live better than I do right now. I mean, I could go back and enslave myself to my dad instead of this guy, and, and, and I would be treated so much better. He, he, he came to himself. He, he had this awakening in his life. And so he gets up and he, he has this speech memorized. 
Dad, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned before you. I, I, don't, I, I don't deserve to be your son anymore. And, and, and so just take me on as one of your hired hands. And if I do it correctly, my, my dad will see how much I want to be here. And he'll let me come back into my home, hopefully. I mean, I know I sold so much of the land. I know I blew everything. I know I embarrassed my dad, but maybe, just maybe. So he begins the journey home. Like he's on, he's on the way. And, and this is where probably people in the audience are like, what's the dad going to do now? Now, what would you do if your son, who you didn't realize it, but because now he's on the deed of your house, he, he went and took out a loan kind of sold his portion of the house, took that money and blew it all, and then you see your son coming home. I told him. Didn't we raise him better than this? Yeah, you better crawl back. I mean, I mean that's, that's what you think. You know, that's what you would think of as even a pretty good dad. I mean, he might not have his arms crossed, but he might have his hands in his pocket, you know. But it says that while he was still far off, the dad saw him. The father jumped and, what's that word? Ran to his son. And the son began, Dad, I, I am so sorry. I have sinned. And the dad, though, was like, ah, hurry. You know, get, get a robe, get some clothes to put on the son. Put a ring on his finger, which signifies sonship. There's something powerful in just that. Put some new sandals on his feet. And you know what? That, that, that calf that we've been, we've been feeding for a big party, the time has come for a party. Like Luke loves talking about parties. Like if you're a party person, read Luke. It's like it's a great book because he keeps coming back to this theme of like dinner parties and parties. And, and so the dad says, kill the fat calf. Put him on a spit, which in the south is like one of those things that you would barbecue the, some of you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, um, so kill it. We're going to have a party. And then he makes these statements like, my son who was dead is now alive. My son was lost and now he's found. Let's have a party. Now, the key, like the key phrase in all of this is what? He came, he came to his senses. He came to himself. Have you had that moment in your life yet? Have you had multiple moments like coming to your senses? Like an epiphany of like, what am I doing with my life? Have you, have you had that? Have you ever had that? And if the answer is no, my guess is it's, it's coming right? Like this, this place of like, what, what am I doing? Um, I know, I know I probably talk about this way too much, but I, I love the 12 steps. I think it's just a helpful picture from time to time. And you know how the 12 steps begin, right? We admitted we were powerless. We admitted we were powerless. Now, in 12 Steps and AA, they're talking specifically about, about alcohol. We, we admitted that we were powerless to this. But the truth is, um, when we come to ourselves, this is true about all kinds of corners of our lives, isn't it? 
Like we admitted that we were just powerless over whatever it is that has its hold on us. Um, the, the, the 12 steps can continue that, you know, we turn our lives over uh, to, to the one who has the power, you know, this power greater than us, gave our lives to, to, to God as we understood him. Um, it's just this, this, this path, and I can't help but think of 2,000 years before, like, the 12 steps were written, like, Jesus gave us the outline for it in the prodigal son. Um, I grew up in church. Did some of you grow up in church, going to church? And you probably, if you grew up in church, did you hear the, the story of the prodigal son? Did you, you, you kind of knew the story? What's interesting, I grew up in church. My dad's a, a preacher, a pastor. And oftentimes I thought this is kind of where the story ended. Like this was it. But Jesus isn't done with the story. There's another son involved. So the older brother was out in the fields. And, and as the older brother begins to come back to the house, he hears music. He hears dancing. He hears something going on that is not normal in his house. And so he calls another servant. And he said, what, what in the world is going on? And the servant says to him, your, your, your brother came home. My what came where? Your brother came home and dad, your dad is, is going crazy. He killed, remember that calf we were saving for Christmas dinner? Like your dad killed it and, and, and threw it on the barbecue. And, and the older brother flew into a rage. How could my dad do that for him? Have you ever found yourself there? Now, isn't it interesting, like, we see ourselves in different parts of the story? Like, I mean, how could my dad, how could God do that? How could my dad do that for him? Like, he doesn't deserve it. He, he deserves none of what his dad's doing for him right now. He refused to go to the party, which is a mistake. The dad comes out. He comes, we'll talk about this in a couple of weeks, but the dad comes out of the house. Um, what did the dad do when the younger brother was coming down the driveway? Ran to him. What does the dad do when the older brother refuses to come into the party? He goes to him. Isn't that interesting? Like the dad is always on the search for his son. It doesn't matter which son, he's always going after him. He's always pursuing. Listen, this is a story about your heavenly father. And it's a story about you. And you could be on either end of the spectrum. What's interesting about this older brother is that, he, Dad, how could you do this? I have worked my tail off for you. I have never walked away from you. I've never sold anything that, that you owned without asking you if it was okay. I've worked these fields night and day. And you've never even given me a goat to have a party with my friends. I deserve, I, I deserve this. And you've thrown it and wasted it on my younger brother. And what does the dad say to the older brother? Son, oh my gosh, you don't, you don't get it. Like literally everything I have is yours because your younger brother already took his share. Everything I now own is yours. 
And I wonder if that moment, in that moment, if the older brother thought, that's my problem, is now you're spending what's mine on him. I've never thought about that until this week as I was reading this story. Yeah, everything is, everything is, is mine now. I think I actually deserve it. It's, it's mine. And so, you're, Dad, you're not giving what's yours to him. You're giving what's. The older brother is no better than the younger brother. He might not have ran off and rebelled and gone crazy and spent it on all these crazy things. I mean, he says that his brother, um, you know, spent it on whores and parties and all kinds of stuff. He may not have done that, but he was just as lost as the younger brother. Both of them equally needed the grace and the love of a father. Listen. Uh, some of you have hit rock bottom because you rebelled, you gave in to whatever, and, and you, you, oh, good news. You have a God that runs to you when you turn around. That's good news, isn't it? I mean, Jesus wants us to see this God who, who comes after us. There's some of us in this room today who feel like we've earned what we have with God. And Jesus, like, is cutting, it's like cutting to our hearts saying, no, 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 no. This isn't about anything you earn. It's about something I freely give. I, I, um, <laughs> I had a brother and some stepbrothers and um, a stepsister, and I kind of always prided myself as, as the good one. My, my parents probably disagree with some of that, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't cause a lot of trouble. I, I tried to, at the dinner table, I tried to make people laugh, and um, in some ways, I, I viewed my brothers as that lost son, and I didn't really realize how lost I was. Um, high school, uh, my football teammates... They made it a game to try to get me to cuss. I was like, I'm not going to cuss. I'm good, you know? And uh, I thought I had, I thought I, I kind of deserved everything that God gave me. It took me coming to my senses to realize that everything is God's grace, everything in my life. I haven't earned anything. It's only by the grace of God. Now, in some churches, this is where they say amen. You can say amen in church. It's okay. <laughs> I don't deserve it. Listen, I know this doesn't sound good, but you don't deserve it either. Even if I don't really know you and we're not there yet, you don't deserve it. But God doesn't withhold it. He throws a party for you and for me. Like... When we come to our senses, we kind of hit that moment. A um, couple phrases that could be turning points for you and for me, and I've, I've, I've heard these again and again from people. Number one, have you ever said this? There has to be more than this. You know, that, you know when you're, you're kind of like, there's got to be more than just this. Uh, and, and then the other phrase that I think is kind of a turning point phrase, this is not what I was expecting. 
this is not what I was expecting. I started just to make some notes of um, people and situations. People who are successful say these kind of things. Did you know that? Like people who have been successful in, in, in their jobs or in their professions, their vocation, at some point or another, most of them say, there's got to be more than just this. I, I remember um, years ago, I had the opportunity to, to, to have just a short conversation with Kevin Streelman, and he had won a tournament earlier that year, a golf tournament earlier that year, which was like his dream, his goal to win a golf tournament. And I said, what, like, what was it like receiving the trophy? And, and he made this statement. I think I've said this before. He made this statement. He said, when I received the trophy and they were taking pictures, I noticed behind the photographer they were taking the stands down. And I said, yeah. And he said, which reminded me that this is all just temporary. Like if this is all that I'm playing for, there's got to be more. Now, it wasn't the masters. Um, <laughs> but people who are successful, you know, there's got to be more than this isn't what I was expecting. I, I thought there would be something else in this. Um, people who are lost in that routine of day to day to day to day to day, there's this like, isn't there something more to life than just that? Um, people who have failed, <laughs> that, that's one that we all just assume people would say, there's got to be more than just, just this. This isn't what I was expecting. Um, Maybe you took a job and, and you, you get into the job and you thought that was going to be the thing that fulfilled you. And you're like, this is not what I was expecting. I thought there's got to be more than just this. Now, don't bump anybody, no elbows, but um, gosh, sometimes we put all of our hopes and dreams into a marriage to another person. And then you, like three years later, you're like, this is definitely not what I was expecting. <laughs> right? It's like... That's a turning point moment. How you respond in that moment is a turning point moment. You know what, I'm, you know what I mean? Some people have this, this idea like you have kids and, and it's going to be amazing. You have these kids and then after three sleepless nights, you're like, this is not what I was expecting. <laughs> like we all, all of us put our hopes and our dreams and our fulfillment in all these different places in these turning point statements of ah, there's got to be more than just this. This just isn't what I was expecting it to be. Where does that move us? That, that's, that's kind of the question that the prodigal son begs. Where, where does it move us when we come to ourselves, when we kind of wake up? Um, I, I, each, each week in this series, these three weeks, I'm going to give you at, at the end of, of each, each week um, a weekly prayer challenge something to pray each day for this coming week. Uh, Blaise Pascal was a brilliant, uh, brilliant mind, and uh, he had this idea of, like, challenges. And, uh, he, you know, as a believer, he started to challenge people like, okay, if God is real and, and you, for 30 days, you kind of go through this process, you win. If God is not real and you go through this process and you become, like, a better, more in-tune person, you win, you know, so there's like no downside to like taking the challenge. So, so here's, the, um, here's the prayer uh, for this week that I would challenge us as a church, as a community in your home. You can do it with your kids, with your spouse. Um, by the way, um, for, for those of you who are married and you've, you've like the, 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 the religious, spiritual conversations have been difficult between you and your spouse, this is a great place to, to start. Just say, Let's pray this together every night this week. 
as we go to bed. So here it is, the, the prayer. Um, God, if you are close, make yourself known to me. If you really are close, make yourself known to me and help me come to my senses. Now, don't pray this for your husband, that your husband would come to his senses about picking up his clothes and like this, this needs to be like the personal thing. Like, like God, uh, if you really are close, not, you know, I hear it, but I, but I don't sense you're close. So the challenge, God, if you are, if you are close, if you're near, make yourself real to me this week. And help me just come to my senses. That a, a moment where I, I come to myself. There's this awakening in my life. And I have a feeling like if we do that together as a church, I feel like there will be these little sparks that happen. You know? These little moments where something happens in your life where you notice something in a new way. I mean, Jeff Quinn, the story, some of you missed it, uh, the story that we showed earlier, which we'll post. He, you know where his moment was? In Costco. He was in Costco. And he had this moment of like awakening when his two-year-old son pointed at a stack of alcohol and said, Daddy. He had this like awakening that his son was, was like matching him and alcohol. And he said, that's probably not a real healthy thing for my son to grow up connecting the two of those things, right? God, if you're close, you know, make yourself real to me. Help me have an awakening. So will you take that seven-day challenge? Will you do that for seven days? You don't really have to answer. Some of you are like, oh, am I supposed to answer right now? Let's, let's do that together. I'm going I'm to ask you to stand. We're going to sing one last song um, just to give you some time to think, to consider, and, and maybe if God is, is nudging you to respond to him. And um, as we do every week, we've got some, some things around the room. There's this cross right here. And um, the cross is this, this divine, sacred moment where God's love, the, the greatest part of God, meets our greatest weakness, our sin, our brokenness. And so maybe you want to come and, and write some thoughts. Um, maybe it's something that you're struggling with. Maybe you want to write out a prayer. Maybe you, you, you have someone on your mind. Maybe you feel like you're walking with God, but you've got someone in your life that you, you're like, God, make yourself real to them. Maybe you just want to write their name and put it up on the cross and ask that God intervene in that. There's some candles in the back of the room, and in the Bible, light represents God's presence. And so maybe you've come in today and you just feel distant from God. Um, I would invite you in this time to light a candle and just say, God, just as this candle represents your presence, I pray that you would be a part of my life. Be close to me. There's communion stations set up around the room. And um, for some people, response every week is about taking communion and being reminded of the sacrifice Jesus made just for you, for me. And then in the far back of the room in the cave, uh, there'll be a prayer team. And maybe you just need someone to pray over you this morning, a prayer of blessing and, and hope. Uh, so as we sing, just feel the freedom to move and respond to God. God, you are good. Um, you're, you're a good father. You invite us in. You, what I love about this story, God, is that as a father, um, you don't stand on the porch and just wait. 
you, you actually run to that younger son who's returning. You don't just stay in the party where the music is, but you're willing to walk out that back door and find that older brother like me. God, I pray there would be an awakening in our lives this week. Moments, uh, moments of, of turning. In these moments, we respond to you, God, and uh, we pray that our response is pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name.